Welcome to another powerful message recorded live at Christ Encounter Ministries in Longobon. We trust that you'll be truly encouraged and blessed by this message. The storms of life, they will always, always be there. But the other thing is the faithfulness of God and Him always bringing us through. Now you have to keep in mind that in the start of my journey, where I was before I got here, I was completely broken, completely lost. You have to understand that I was a, a drug addict on hard drugs for 15 years of my life. You have to understand that I was, in fact, a criminal. I was a social outcast. I was someone that there was no chance in life to achieve anything. The only thing that everybody thought and was a guarantee in my life was that I would have a violent and early death. And that's where I was headed very fast. I endured countless times where I should have died. Countless. I was in nine serious car accidents where the vehicle was completely written off. I had a collapsed lung at one point during drug abuse. Complete collapsed lung. I was in that state of catastrophic failure, lung failure, for well over 24 hours before I was rushed to hospital for many, many surgeries. Well, for that surgery. And I will never forget when I got to the end of my road as a, as a young man on the run from the police, even Interpol was looking for me. For a full month, I had two divisions of serious crimes that was chasing me. And um, they got to the point and said, if I never handed myself over, they would hand me over to national intelligence and shoot me on sight. And so I knew that I needed intervention very, very fast. Amen. And I tried everything to try and come right. I tried everything to get out of this lifestyle that I was in. But nothing could get me out. And then I, I called out to someone I never knew, someone I'd only heard about. But really, the only one that could get me out of the mess that I was in because I needed a miracle to save me. Because family, I was in so, so, so deep. So deep. And that person who I cried out to in my bed late at night, all alone, was Jesus. And I prayed this prayer. I said, Jesus, if you are real, save me. And I never realized that at that, that, that time I was actually praying scriptures in Romans 10 verse 13, the first scripture of today. It says this, that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And family, although I was, I was a rubbish, 
I was a reject. But God never rejected me, family. John 6 verse 37 says this. The one who comes to me, I will most certainly not cast out. I will never, never reject anyone who follows me. And family, although I was messed up, although I was damaged goods, but with a sincere heart, I made a choice to follow Jesus and search him out. And I look back on this journey of life, and although the challenges from where I was was so severe, and still the challenges, although different, they are still severe, I'm absolutely dumbfounded, amazed, and speechless of how faithful God has been through each and every one of the trials I face. And I'm reminded of the scripture in Psalms 40 verse 1 that says this, he turned to me and heard my cry. He drew me from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and he set my feet on solid ground and he steadied me as I walked along and he has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God and many will see what he has done. And be amazed. And hopefully, they will put their trust in the Lord. Family, as I consider his faithfulness, I'm reminded about when I was diagnosed with chronic renal failure, which is an incurable terminal disease. Millions of people die daily from this disease, no cure. The only treatment is dialysis or a kidney transplant. And I remember how frightening this experience was as I was already in advanced kidney failure, family, and how I never mentioned it to my wife, never mentioned it to everyone. I just ran to Jesus, the one who has never, ever failed me, the one who has never, ever let me down. I'm sorry, family. I never realized how tough this message is going to be. And after three days, I went back to my doctor. He was a friend of mine. I said, Dr. Vic, test me. I'm healed. And he looked at me. He said, Carl, I actually think you're being a little bit impatient. He thought I was a little bit crazy, but... I know Jesus, I know where he took me, I know where he got me from. I said to him, doctor, test me. I'm telling you now, I'm healed. Doctor tested me, perfectly healed. To this day, within three days, perfectly healed. As I consider his faithfulness, I'm reminded of a time when my wife, Amelia, felt in fell incredibly ill. Every single month she was in horrific, horrific pain. There was nothing that we could do. We tried everything. We went to the doctors. They carried out laparoscopic surgery. Went in, called us in the doctor's room. I'll never forget sitting in the doctor's room. Doctor sitting there, 
showing all the pictures. He said, Carl, your wife has been diagnosed with stage four endometriosis. It's so advanced that it's covered every organ in that area, the nerves, sensitive organs, and there's nothing that we could do. Nothing that we could do. Here's the pictures. I remember the concern on the doctor showing us, look there, look there, look there, showing us this advanced disease. Doctor said, look, the only thing we can do, we have to carry out invasive surgery, cut from hip to hip, and just remove everything. But we made a decision that we're going to trust our Jesus. And so we put our trust in him. We believed in him. We rejected the bad report. We believed in the living God of miracles. And then we booked another appointment with another specialist for a second opinion, but trusting in God the whole way. It took, I think, two months or a month and a half to get this appointment. We got to see the doctor, still believing in God. Doctors are good. I mean, there's nothing wrong with them, nothing wrong with going for treatment. First, we trust in Jesus. He went, he said, look, he's going to, we show him the pictures. He said, he's going to have to carry out the same process. Booked her in. She had the laparoscope, invasive sur uh, uh, investigative surgery, went in. And in the recovery room, this doctor came to her, amazed. He said, Amelia, I found nothing. I found nothing. I've, all I could trace was a piece, the size of the tip of my fingernail. And I removed it. Amen. Proverbs 4 verse 20. My child, pay attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Let the word penetrate deep within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Amen. Isaiah 49 verse 23 says this. Those who trust in me, God's saying, I love the scripture will never be put to shame. Praise Jesus. The NRV says it like this, those who hope in me will not be disappointed. And Romans 10 verse 11 says this, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Family, I remember as a young man, as I consider the faithfulness of God, how I got involved in business with lots of reckless faith, lots of energy, lots of gusto, but unfortunately not lots of brains nor experience. And although I experienced the miraculous and abundant success in business, growing the business, building a home, accumulating great wealth, I had over 250 employees, but I had so much to learn and literally in 24 hours, I lost it all, everything. And I remember the feelings of defeat as my staff began to strike. 
around the country as they began to strike at the offices where the riot police had to come and remove all these people. I remember the feelings of all these people turning against me in the most terrible way. I remember the multiple visits of the sheriff of the court coming to my home, delivering summons. I have a pile like this. I remember the very uncomfortable meetings with the banks, the lawyers, the liquidators as they began to strip me of all my wealth and assets. I remember the banks seizing our homes and leaving me with seemingly impossible debt to pay. I remember all of these circumstances and I'm just scratching the surface family of what I went through and what happened. And I can tell you now that in every one of those circumstances, every one of those situations, every one of those times where it seemed impossible, where there was no way, God made a way. God made a way. We lost our house. We lost it. Houses. We lost assets. We went through great, great, great turmoil. But I'll tell you, God is so faithful. In that time, I saw miracles happen that will blow your socks off. And it was in that time where I became to know the Lord in a way that is so precious. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14 says this, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphant victory and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. Is that not what's happening right now? Amen. Family, there are so many circumstances, so many, so many times that I could mention to you where if it depended upon me, if it depended upon my intellect, if it depended upon my knowledge, if it depended upon my abilities, I would have been destroyed a hundred thousand times over. It's no exaggeration, family. That's why I know how crucial it is to be so firmly rooted in a relationship with Jesus. Family, listen to me. A casual relationship, occasionally going to church, occasionally reading your uh, things in the morning. What is those things? Devotionals. It's not going to cut it, family. It's not going to cut it, family. Does this mean I don't ever face any problems? No, absolutely I do. I face many problems. I face probably much more problems than any normal person faces. Severe, severe challenges. Does it mean that it's easy for me to cruise through life, to cruise through these problems? It's a whole lot easier. Because Scripture says in Isaiah 41 verse 10, Fear not, there is nothing to fear, for I am with you. Do not look around in terror and be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen and harden you 
two difficulties, yes, I will help you. Now, many of us want God to remove the difficulties from our lives. But the Scripture says God will harden you and strengthen you to the difficulties. Family, the troubles will always be there. Amen? The determining factor is your relationship with Christ and your trust in Him. Isaiah 43 verse 2 says this, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, family, they will not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned or scorched, nor will the flame kindle you. And family, I can tell you after serving the Lord so much for, for so long and everything that I've seen, it's never really easy, family. It always takes a purposeful effort to avoid a depression, to reject fear, to resist doubt and focus on God and His Word. And there's many times where I felt like Lazarus. How many of you know that story? Where, where Jesus was two miles away from him. And Lazarus was a man that he loved. He loved Lazarus. Lazarus was dying. But Jesus waited. He waited for two days before that he came. And sometimes we feel like that, family. We have our deadlines. Amen. We have our deadlines where, where, where God, if you do not come through now at this point, I'm going to die. I, I, I'm, I'm feeling like Lazarus. Amen. That, that, that it's, it's, it's game over, Lord. And, and, we keep tr and I keep trusting and keep believing. And sometimes it feels that he's, he's just not there. And then we get to that deadline and then we, we go past that deadline. Like with Lazarus where, where he, was, he was put in the tomb. And then you kind of feel like that situation where after four days he's, he's, been, he's been dead in that tomb and, and decaying and smelling rotten. And Jesus came and said, roll that stone away. I said, Jesus, but he's smelling rotten. He's, he's been dead for four days. And sometimes it feels like that, family. But I tell you, his grace is sufficient. He will never leave you. He will never drop you. Amen. And everything that gets lost will be restored. Amen? We go to 2 Kings 6. Now we have the accounts of a Syrian king besieging Samaria. And that's when they surround a, a city. And they even build a wall around a, a city. And they kind of starve that, that city. Because nothing can get in or out. So we read from 2 Kings 6 verse 24. King Ben-Hadad actually of Haram, mustered his entire army and besieged Samaria. As a result, there was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver. Wow. And a cup of dove's dung. For those of you that don't know, that's dove poop. Amen? A cup of Dove's dung sold for five pieces of silver. One day as the king of Israel was walking along the wall of the city, a woman called out to him, Please help me, my lord the king. He answered, If the lord doesn't help you, what can I do? 
I don't have food. I don't have wine. What can I give you? But the king still asked, what's the matter? She replied, this woman, obviously someone standing next to me, said, come, let's eat your son today and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we cooked my son and ate him. Then the next day I said to her, now kill your son so that we can eat him. But she hid her son away. Wow. What a tragic, dismal situation that these people were in. It was so bad that they were even eating their own children. No hope, no future. And then the king sent a messenger to Elisha, a man of God. And we read in 2 Kings 7, Elisha replied, Listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver and 12 parts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. Now that's an impossible situation where at the point that they were in, one cup of dove dung was being sold for five pieces of silver. And this message was on the very next day for one piece of silver, you could get six quarts of the best flour and 12 parts of barley grain. We read from 2 Kings 7 verse 3. Now there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates saying, why should we just sit here to die? We're going to die anyway. We'll starve if we stay here, but with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army. Maybe they will have mercy on us. Maybe they'll let us live. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Armenians. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Aramean army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of the horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. So they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives. When the men with leprosy arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating, drinking wine. And they carried off silver and gold and clothing and hid it. And finally they said to each other, this is not right. This is the day of good news and we aren't sharing it with anyone. If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come, let us go back and tell the people. We read from 2 Kings 7 verse 15. They went all the way to the Jordan River following a trail of clothing and equipment that the Arameans had thrown away in their mad rush to escape. The scouts returned and told the king about it. Then the people of Samaria rushed out and plundered the Aramean camp. And so it was true that six quarts of choice flour were sold that very day for one piece of silver 
and 12 bar, uh, quarts of barley grain were sold for one piece of silver, just as the Lord promised. You see, family, in my life and my, my walk with the Lord, generally always before breakthrough comes the greatest trials. Always. And I begin to identify that the trials is hiding the breakthrough. And it's times like that where, where we have to really dig our heels in and continue to believe and trust in God. And Scripture says in Galatians 6 verse 9, that let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You see, family, we can never, ever give up. And hear me, your fight in every problem, in every challenge that you face is a faith fight. The problems of life cannot defeat you. It is the, the fight is far more important in the supernatural than it is in the physical. Scripture says in 1 Timothy 6 verse 12, we fight the good fight of faith. God is able to take any circumstance, any situation, trust me, I know what I'm talking about, and He is able to turn it around. If your problem dominates your faith, you've got a problem. Amen? In my life and as I walk through this life, I am more aware and I'm more concerned about my faith in the problem than I am about the problem itself. Because I know that it is my faith that's going to give me the victory in the problem. doesn't matter if it's dead, rotten, four days, if I'm eating dove poop, I hope that never happens. It, it, it doesn't matter. Because God is able to victoriously turn it all around. And the enemy knows the potential. And he gets paranoid when the children of God are getting close to walking in the victory. And he throws everything at them. How many of you remember the teaching about the, the, the sower sows the seed, which is the word, and it, it lands on different ground? Amen. And the scripture says that the devil brings tribulation on account of the word. Amen. He brings problems on account of the word because he doesn't want you to have your breakthrough. Your breakthrough is not what you can do. It's not how clever you are. It's not about who you know. It's none of that. It's your faith. Jesus said to Peter, he said, Peter, Satan himself has asked to sift you, to test you. Satan himself was going to test Peter. And what did Jesus pray? He never said, Peter and, and, and me and, and, and the angels, we, we're standing in agreement and we, we, we're covering you with prayer and, and we, we're going to back you up in the prayer. What did Jesus say? He said, Peter, I pray that your faith will not fail you. I pray that your faith will not fail you. That's the crucial part. Jesus believed and knew that's all he needed to 
defeat a very personal assault of Satan. Amen? And you know what the tragedy is? What a great tragedy of the church is that not many Christians know what faith is. Not many Christians know what faith is, and that's so sad because James 1 verse 4 through to 7 says, Without faith, let no man think he will receive anything from the Lord. Amen. If you do not know exactly what faith is, and if you cannot articulate that to a person and explain to them what faith is, then you don't know what faith is. Amen. And that's why it's so important for you to to grow in the things of God. Amen. You see, family, now, when, when I preach a message like this, you know, it's, it, it would be so easy for me to get you guys all jumping and shouting and say, listen, guys, like, like Lazarus, it doesn't matter where you are, in 24 hours, God's going to turn it around and, and, and you sow a seed of a thousand rand in 24 hours, you're going to have your breakthrough. And, and God's got this and he's not going to fail you and everything's going to work out and all of that's great. And I could get you guys jumping and happy and, and, and everything is great. And all you'll do is walk out of here, head to destruction with a good attitude. Amen. Got to be real with you, family. The mandate of the church is not to put on an event. It's not to win popularity contests. I hope you like the messages, but I'm not too concerned about that. Many of you know I'm not concerned about offending you because I'm just going to tell you the truth like it is. Amen? But I have to tell you that it's not good enough to just call yourself a Christian. Matthew 7, verse 21, and just stay focused, guys. We, we, we're landing the plane now. It's important. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, not everyone who calls himself a Christian, not everyone who even calls Jesus Lord, not everyone who thinks that they are a Christian will enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow, that's Jesus' family. But only, you see, he doesn't even say the few. He says only the one, only the, 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 the very, very few who does the will of my Father will enter in heaven. Wow. You see, family, there is, a, there is a do part for you to do. Amen? There, there, there is the will of the Father that you need to do. You can't play church anymore, family. We are in the end of the age. The devil has upped his game tremendously, and unless we up our game, we are toast. Literally. Amen? So family, yes, we, we, we have to be dedicated to church. Dedicated. Yes, we have to be dedicated to praying. Yes, you have to get up early and read your Bible. Yes, you, you have to build a relationship with the Lord. Yes, you have to pursue God. Yes, you have to grow from spiritual babies to the church that Jesus Christ has designed you to be for this moment. And you know what he says? Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. Amen. Supernatural, powerful church. Not a religious church. Amen. And unless you get a revelation of this, it's going to be very, very tough for you, family. 
And you see, the scripture says that if you, I mean, don't we pray for heaven on earth? Don't we pray that our Father prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? And Deuteronomy 11.21 says this, that your days may be multiplied in the days of your children in the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers to give them as days of heaven on earth. God wants you to have days of heaven on earth. Jesus came so that you could have the abundant, overflowing life. Amen. But family, there is a do part. Amen. Matthew 18 verse 8 says this. It says, if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off. Throw it away. It's better for you to enter life crippled or lame than to have two hands and two feet thrown into the eternal fire, which is hell. Family, sin will destroy you. And it's your responsibility to cut it out. Amen? Jesus said, you cut it off. Cut off the porn, family. Can I just be real? Cut off the flirting if you're married. Cut off the fornication. Cut off the lies. There's no such thing as a white lie, family. That doesn't count. We have to cut it all out. We have to change our lives if we are going to be the one who is going to experience all of this. So family, that's it for today's teaching. But before we close, I just want to chat with you quickly about your decision going forward. And we look at John 3 verse 1. The scripture says this, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. This, he was the church. Amen. Nicodemus was the church. He was more religious than any one of you could ever be, more religious than me. He done everything that the church required. And he went to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher that has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with them. What does Jesus say? He said, listen, church. Listen, Nicodemus. Listen, modern-day church. Very truly. If Jesus starts with very truly, how many of you know? He's serious. Amen. Very truly, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus says, well, how do I do that? Do I crawl up my mother's womb? He says, no, you have a natural birth and you have a spiritual birth. And he tells him again, very truly, unless you have been born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. Now, how do we know if we are born again? Well, the first question I'll ask you is if you had to die tonight, maybe you had a brain aneurysm or something like that. How confident are you that you would go to heaven? Because you need to be confident. And if you are born again, you will be. Amen. How do we know this? Romans 8 verse 16 says this. The Holy Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Family, it doesn't matter how long you've been to a church. It doesn't matter what good deeds you've done. It's a technical thing. I cannot explain it to you quickly and easy, but it's a technical thing. Only Jesus reconciled on behalf of man to God. So that's, he's the only way. It's not, a, not an arrogant Christian thing. Jesus is the only way. And no, it's, it's a technicality. If you understood it, but I can't do that right now. 
But Jesus is the only way, family. He's the only way. So how do we do this? Well, he's made it super easy for us because he loves us. And scripture says in Romans 10 verse 9, if you declare with your mouth, very importantly, you can't think faith. You can't hope faith. You can't believe faith. You have to speak faith. Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Guess what? You will be saved. That's your first step on your journey of eternal life. And from there, like when I was in that deep hole and I gave my life to the Lord, I still had a lot of fixing up to do. But that's the first step. Amen. So can everybody just close your eyes for a moment? And just listen. Listen to your heart. I want to ask you this question and allow the Holy Spirit to testify with your spirit if you are a child of God. So family, are you a child of God? Are you confident that if you had to die today, that you would go to heaven? Perhaps now you're feeling a a moving in your heart. Scripture says in Revelation 20 verse 1, Behold, I am knocking on the door. He says, let me in. Many of you today need to open up your hearts. You need to humble yourself. If Jesus could die naked on a cross, so that you could receive him and be born again, then you can humble yourself before him. So I'm not going to draw this out, family, but if that is you, if you feel, hey, you know, I don't feel right in my heart, something's just not right, never been born again, and I want to be born again, I want to make my life right, then I'm going to ask you at the count of three, to raise your hand and nobody's looking nobody can see who you are but you need to take a stand for Jesus and if you can't take a stand for Jesus in this place where nobody is looking around and no one can see you you will never be able to take a stand for Jesus in this world so for many of you this is a defining moment and nobody's watching nobody's looking around just Jesus And I'm going to ask you to just say, Jesus, here I am. I don't care about the person next to me, even though they can't see me. I don't care about anything. I need you. And perhaps God is calling you to go deeper. But if you feel an urgency in your heart, you might have done this before. But maybe God wants to do a work in you. I'm going to ask you at the count of three to be bold and say, Lord, here I am. I hear you knocking on my heart and I open the doors wide. So at the count of three, one, two, three, raise your hands now. Hands going up everywhere. Be bold, family. Jesus was naked on a cross for you. Doesn't matter if you've done this before. Doesn't matter where you come from or what you've done. Raise your hands in the name of Jesus. One, two, three, now. Praise Jesus. You see, family, even though you are You can put your hands down. Even though you are a Christian, even though you've been doing this, sometimes God will challenge you to do things like this, to test you, to test your humility. Amen. And it was wonderful to see how many of you responded. 
So family, I know that there's some of you that wanted to raise your hands and you didn't, but that's okay. I want to ask every single person to pray this prayer after me. Family, everyone, for the benefit of, of everybody, let's all pray this prayer boldly. So Father, today I declare that Jesus Christ, you are my Lord. I hear you knocking. Come in. My heart is open. I receive you. Jesus, I make you my Lord. Now fill me with you. Change me. Forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Give me a new start. Fill me with your spirit, your fire, and a desire for you. I thank you that you died and you rose again. And now I am born again because that's what your word says. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, family. It was so wonderful spending time with you. Uh, next week, we will uh, make sure that everything is sorted out. And uh, it was so awesome to, to have this time with you. Love you guys. Have an amazing time. Goodbye. We trust that you are truly blessed and encouraged by this message. If you would like to find out more about Christ Encounter Ministries in Longabon, please feel free to check out our website at christencounter.co.za.